women who are the onlys, you know, the only woman of color or, you know, or the only woman at a certain level in the company are more likely to leave because they're more likely to face both subtle and overt bias mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Women are exhausted, both physically and emotionally. And we hear that all the time when you consistently have to push harder to be seen and heard and respected. Uh, it's exhausting. And that shows up in the numbers. 41% of women report burnout versus 31% of men. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women, a cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, gender, and justice through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle. We're recording this episode at the end of 2022. And as we wrap up this year, I thought it was important to reflect on some of the progress that women have made, as well as the challenges we still face. And I thought it was fascinating to see that dictionary.com just announced that woman is the word of the year. And as I think about women, I think first of the women of Iran who are being so courageous. The death in September of 22-year-old Masha Amini at the hands of Iran's feared morality police led thousands of Iranian women and the men who support them to take to the streets risking injury, imprisonment, and torture, fighting simply for their human rights. It is important that their sisters all over the world give them moral support by keeping the spotlight on them through our social media and conversations, and I will be bringing you a podcast about them soon. I also think of Brittany Griner, who finally made it safely home from Russia. It was the relentless collective work of her WNBA sisters and countless others who helped achieve her release. But I'm also pleased that she and her wife have committed to help bring other Americans home who are still being held as political pawns by Russia and others. And let's also remember the women of Afghanistan who are suffering again under the gender repression of the Taliban, who are desperately afraid of educated girls and women. The good news is that women all over the world are becoming less willing to tolerate repression. We are slowly becoming a powerful political force that has the potential to move the human race forward in seismic ways. And women all over the world have long looked to the United States as a model of how to successfully fight for equal rights. We're all on the same spectrum after all. We often disappoint them, as well as ourselves, because progress is so frustratingly glacial. We still have a very long way to go to achieve equality with our American brothers. And all the evidence you need of that fact has just been published in the 2022 Women in Workforce Report, done annually by McKinsey and Company and the Lean In organization started by Sheryl Sandberg. The 2022 report is full of compelling insight on exactly my topic today, the state of American women in the workforce in the post-COVID pandemic era. Joining me today to share her insight on all of this is a passionate, tenacious, 
visionary leader who has had her finger on the pulse of American women's workplace progress for as long as I have known her, which is a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I hear her laughing. Terry Barclay, I'm going to introduce her, is the president and CEO of Inforum, one of the first and largest women's professional organizations in the United States. It was founded nearly 60 years ago in Detroit, Michigan, right here, to connect, inspire, educate, and support women in the workplace. Terry has over 35 years of experience working with top management teams of some of the world's best known companies. And under her leadership, Inforum has become a respected, trusted ally and sought after resource, not only for women aspiring to leadership, but in helping companies advance gender diversity and tap women's potential. She is also the co-editor of two books, the road to the top is not on the map. Conversations with top women of the auto industry and a follow-up book, The Road Forward. Welcome, Terry. We have a lot of ground to cover. Oh, Anne, it is so good to be here with you today. And yes, we do. I can hardly <laughs> wait to get to it. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the headlines. Uh, the economic impact of covid on women, as we all know, has been absolutely extraordinary. We know that many more women lost their jobs, while of course, now doing triple duty at home. But to me, it's the seismic shift that this newest Women in the Workplace report is calling the great breakup that seems most significant. Would you explain what that's all about, Terry, and how you are personally witnessing that? Absolutely. So the great breakup is referring to the fact that women are leaving jobs at a much higher rate than men. And what's interesting, I think, in the McKinsey research, all of it's interesting, I highly recommend that people yeah. look it up and, and dig into it, um, is that that great breakup is especially true in leadership levels where there are already too few women to begin with. So for example, in 2022, for every woman at the director level who gets promoted, two are leaving the workplace. So the wow. implications for a gender diverse pipeline to the C-suite are very, very serious. And, and there's no question that COVID exacerbated this existing problem, you know, that, that women, regardless of career level, it's not just at entry level, but at senior levels, right, still right. carry the greater share of the workload for home and family. Um, and so when schools and daycare and even babysitting was unavailable, too many women were just buried. They were overwhelmed by yeah. the demands of work and home. Yeah, the burnout is just a bigger issue than ever. Yeah. So so what we're seeing and what we're seeing um, every single day at Inforum, now that we're coming out of the pandemic, is that women are expecting and, and sometimes demanding more from their employers. Um, you know, in this report, 49% of women versus 34% of men say that flexibility is a key factor in any job decision. Mm. And, and what we're seeing also is that hybrid work environments, a mix of in-person and remote are critically important to women. Um, 
what's fascinating about this that to me is we work with over 200 companies um, mm-hmm. through throughout the course of the year, many of them global giants. And we have several partner companies right now who are working on ways to compel employees to come back uh, <laughs> in, in, into the office. What's interesting is to see the different ways that they're going about that. And what we're seeing is if they don't use a diversity lens when they do that work of how do we get people back, that they are really in danger of losing whatever gains they've made in diversifying their workplaces. The smartest leaders are aware of this and and have created, what we're seeing is them creating diverse committees and task forces that are recommending, are going out and talking to colleagues and and employees throughout the companies and are figuring out the best way to strike the right balance and then are coming back to senior management with those recommendations. Instead of senior management saying, on this day, you shall return and you shall be happy. <laughs> yeah. The old way, yeah. not working, not working with this next generation of, of leaders and uh, and employees. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do know, I do worry about though, um, you know, we know that flexibility alone is not enough. Um, flexible work schedules have kept many women in their jobs but they have not helped the same women rise within the company. Uh So the goal of flexibility has to go beyond simple retention of talented employees. And, you know, Anne, we've, we've known each other so long and we've had so many of these kinds. I don't even want to mention how long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, you and I have often talked about the, about the, the role of men and the, the differences with, with men and women here. And what the piece of data that always I find so interesting is that becoming a parent has Mm. traditionally been a boost for men in corporate America. In fact, the fatherhood bonus is a documented phenomenon that you and I have discussed before because it's, and it shows that men in leadership actually do better financially when they become. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a reason to go and ask for a raise. Hey, I just had a baby. I I need more money. (laughs) (laughs) Women are like, I just had a baby. Oh boy. They're going (laughs) to. they're not going to promote me. Right. No. And, and, and that's exactly right. And, and it's because companies, you know, still there's, there's still those vestiges of companies who view men as being more stable and likely to be committed uh, once they have families to support. But, you know, women, again, that same data shows have traditionally been penalized by parenthood because, Companies see them as less flexible, perhaps more distracted, and essentially putting their families before their careers, less likely to accept those moves, you know, that are typically the in the rotation up, you know, that that you have to move to other locations or other countries in order to get that experience yeah. on your belt. So, you know, I guess the great breakup, you know, until leaders treat men and women the same way, I think women will continue to be driven out. And that offering, you know, we see that time and time again. Um, and we're also seeing that companies that really have drilled down to understand 
kind of the core of how this works, these policies about paternity and maternity leave and, you know, all those things, how do those policies really work at their companies? Um, We're seeing that when they really drill down and try to make sure that there really is equity there, that they are preserving their pipelines and that's benefits the bottom line. Absolutely. And the point that you are making that's very clear about the research in this report is them losing senior women at the highest rate we've ever seen aggravates the whole problem of having people in the senior leadership who have the power to drill down and affect policy, let alone attitudes and culture in a company. Another piece of this, Terry, that, um, boy, I can understand it. Women are feeling overworked and under-recognized. Mm-hmm. You know, these women in these senior levels, uh, here we go again. Uh, it, it's just discouraging. I mean, are you hearing this as well from the senior women that uh, you interact with all the time? Very much so. We know that women are more frequently called upon to visibly lead, you know, to be the sp- executive sponsors or the actual leaders of DEI initiatives in, yeah. in companies. And um, when you start to look at race and how that starts to impact ca- career trajectories, it gets really serious really quickly. <laughs> but, you know, all of these roles that they're juggling, and, you know, the thing is, about the current labor force and the current economy is people have choices. And Mm -hmm. um, again, you and I have been around long enough that we've seen those cycles. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens as our economy cycles. But right now, uh, people are voting with their feet. Mm-hmm. You mentioned DEI, and I want to make sure everybody understands this is diversity, equity, and inclusion in, uh, in, in terms of that. And it, the report talks about the fact that, um, once again, women who are members of these um, minority communities, groups, uh, face the toughest headwinds. It, it's right there still. It, it, it is right there. And um, you and I worked together on the very first research that Inforum did, the Michigan Women's Leadership Report, um, back in 2003. Wow, <laughs> wow. But we, we were saw, ahead of our time, Terry. <laughs> we were, we were. But we saw then that, um, you know, we look at the numbers for women overall, but we also broke that data down by race. And the numbers for race are just shocking. Um, they're, they're so very low. And they haven't changed much in all of these years. It's, it's really quite remarkable. And so I think what's interesting about McKinsey and other research is it shows that women who are the onlys, you know, the only woman of color or, you know, or the only woman at a certain level in the company are more likely to leave because mm-hmm. they're more likely to face both subtle and overt bias mm-hmm. in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's especially more frequent in engineering and technical roles, which are areas oftentimes of the greatest opportunity within companies. So when you start to drill down into these numbers and look at what really is behind them. There's really a fascinating story about 
profession and career choice and industry that yeah. that plays into um, what we're seeing. You know, we had a really fascinating experience at Inform with our own membership. We went out and asked women of color in our own membership to talk to us about their experiences. And they shared painful stories of having to fight for the chance to speak, of having been assumed to be much more junior than they were when they participate, when they walked into the room or, you know, were in meetings, of being burdened by the feeling that they had to represent both the race and the gender, and therefore were under far more pressure than their professional peers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women of all races, when we talked to them, reported that, that they are twice as likely as men to be mistaken for someone at a lower level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's hard to express and quantify it. it you certainly can't overstate um, what an additional hurdle that is still in the workplace. Yeah, I'm stunned by that. That's still the situation. And um, in this report, they talked quite a bit about microaggressions as being a huge factor in why women were saying, I've had it. Yeah. I, I'm out of here. And that's what you're talking about. And it reminds me of sort of, well, that wasn't so bad, but there's this old saying about the straw that broke the camel's back. It's just like over and over and over. And it and it's undermining. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And that's a key thing that, that we continue. You know, women are exhausted, both physically and emotionally. And we hear that all the time. When you consistently have to push harder to be seen and heard, and respected, uh, it's exhausting. And that shows up in the numbers. 41% of women report burnout versus 31% of men. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we're all exhausted. By everything that's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. The men are saying, well, I'm burned out. And yeah. women are saying, you don't even know what burnout is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that today's job market is making it more possible for, for women and men to acknowledge that exhaustion. You know, say it's not okay. And look for right. new opportunities to provide a, a, a better balance. Right. And that's really what the report is also saying is that corporate America is at a critical crossroads. Yeah. And that's what you're watching very closely and that you are actively involved with companies and, and probably seeing differences in terms of the ones that get it and the ones that don't. Actually, it's interesting you bring that up because in our own Michigan focused research, that's what we're starting to see is sort of a bifurcation. We're seeing the good companies getting better faster mm. and um, the companies who haven't yet made those first steps of progress, either stagnating or declining relative to their peers in terms of representation. So, yeah. And for people who may not know it, I mean, because uh, we are in Detroit and Michigan uh, is really uh, a, a, a major uh, center for some of the largest and most influential corporations in the world. I mean, the auto industry is right here and all these global corporations that are suppliers to one of the biggest industries in the world. Yeah. Inform actually played a role when McKinsey was first launching this research, even before they partnered with Lean In 
there was a fantastic partner at McKinsey, Joanna Barsh, who was the spark plug, who first got them to focus on the importance of this topic. And we were honored to work closely with Joanna to get the word out to Michigan companies about participating and sharing their data. And it's very gratifying to see it just getting bigger and stronger and um, even more uh, visible and influential companies really look forward to seeing this research every year. It's really valuable. And congratulations on that, Terry. I mean, that's just really an example of the work that you've been doing for decades at Inforum. But another uh, really key sort of word that's being kicked around or phrase that's being kicked around that I want you to explain uh, is the broken rung. Would yeah. you explain what that is and why it's so devastating? You know, Thank you for asking that question, because if I were going to pick one concept out of this report that's really important to understand, it's this one. Um, the, the broken rung is the data that show that the difference, the gender differences um, in promotions and pay begin to happen with the very first promotion opportunity at work. So in many companies, the playing field is level at the entry level or close to level at the entry level from a gender perspective. You know, um, it's, it's quite wonderful to see that, uh, that that shift has happened over the years and changed, but it starts to, to change with the very first promotion. So um, what we're seeing is um that today, and, and here's, there's good news and bad news, as there often is with this. Um, you know, the bad news is that this broken rung with the first promotion has been holding women back from management for generations. But the good news is that the gap is starting to tighten. So today, for, where, for every 100 men who are promoted into their first management role, just 87 women get that opportunity. But two years ago, that number was 72 women for every 100 men. Okay. So that's progress. And we have to acknowledge and celebrate that progress right. while not taking our foot off the gas pedal. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, and, and I know it keeps getting worse. It's not only that yes. first promotion, but then it's the next and it's the next and into the director level, et cetera, yeah. on the way to true leadership yeah. roles uh, yeah. that it gets harder and harder. Those headwinds get stiffer and stiffer. They do. And it's really, it's important to remember that women are just as ambitious as men. Survey after survey tells us that. And here's an interesting generational thing. Young women are even more ambitious than their senior sisters um, are in the workforce. It's, it's just that the women face a greater number of those microaggressions or challenges to advance advancement. That thing of getting talked over to, in meetings, being assigned office chores that resemble housework, being overlooked for prom the kinds of prominent assignments that get people recognized by, by top leadership. So um, what's really interesting is we've seen companies, you know, back to your earlier point, Anne, you know, we've seen that it's the companies that have a deliberate approach to diversifying, beginning at the lowest levels of management, um, 
that are best able to build their pipelines to the senior levels. And today, it is all about pipeline. It is all about making sure you have the right talent in place. That is still the number one thing that I hear companies are worried about. You mentioned the fact that the uh, the, the younger women uh, moving into the workforce in big numbers now are more ambitious in, in, in the percentages are more ambitious than maybe uh, our generation was. And I'm fascinated about gender generational differences. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, as baby boomers, you and I have lived through uh, several multiple generations in the workplace. What are you noticing? I mean, it's now millennials that are the dominant generation and Gen Zs are, are moving in fast, beginning to make their mark. So what are you observing about generational differences between these generations versus the baby boomers and the Gen Xs who really led the way in terms of significant women in the workplace and then fighting our way into leadership? Oh gosh, and we need like a whole other podcast to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, but... <laughs> maybe we'll do that next year. <laughs> but um, yes, um, we are seeing some really uh, wonderful differences. Um, but I would say, and there's some great information in the McKinsey research about these generational differences too. But younger women are placing a much higher value on equitable, supportive, and inclusive workplaces. And if you as an employer can't be prepared to answer those questions and back it up with behavior and outcomes, um, they are uh, you are going to lose on that talent pool, lose out on that talent pool. Young women are also far more likely to report that they are watching senior leaders, both men and women, for clues on how the company treats those who advance. And is that a lifestyle that they would value? So mm. they're watching <laughs> to see if mm -hmm. the value proposition, so to speak, is there for uh, the effort and the the everything that is expected when you move into those those roles. Things that are more important to younger women than all women are things like opportunities to advance. Great numbers in the McKinsey research. 31% of all women said advancing is, is important. 58% of next-gen women did. DE&I, wow. 31% versus 41%, mm -hmm. a 10 percentage point gap um, for next-gen women. Um, a manager, having a manager who is truly supportive all women said 42, 42% of all women said that was important. 56% of next gen women said it was important. Wow. Wow. And yeah. And commitment to employee well-being. 55% of all women said that was important. 68% of next gen women. So we've, um, you know, we're, we're doing our own experiment at Inforum. We have carefully formed a next-gen advisory board. Ah. And we have a link between that group and our board of directors. And we are mm -hmm. listening. We are having uncomfortable conversations. Um, and one of the things that we did, because I think it's really important, one of the things I've noticed 
is that this generation really values when you acknowledge that the learning is two-way. So we are uh, we have connected the members of that next gen uh, advisory board with our own board of directors for one-on-one mentoring conversations. And it's not just the senior people mentoring the young women, it's the younger right. women mentoring the right. senior executives. And I've got to tell you, it's, wow. it's, it's magic. And so I think, bet. Of, you know, think about those kinds of opportunities in the corporate world and what, how transformative they could really be. I, I, I guess my bottom line is I think we have a whole lot of listening and learning to do. Yes, I, I agree. And I'll tell you, I have a, my son, Kevin, is now 30 years old. And I mean, he has really been one of the most important forces in, in shaping me and, uh, you know, pushing, pushing back on me and know, knows me better than anyone probably and uh, does not hesitate to call me out uh, on language or on things that, you know, I, I'm unconscious about. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely fantastic you know another thing that i read about these um younger women is that they are more willing to blow their tops and get angry over microaggressions in the way that we were we didn't dare have a temper tantrum have you seen any of that because i think that's fabulous yeah yeah absolutely um much more willing to call people out on it and um you know, that's, as you pointed out, that's, um, that's bold in, in many environments, that's a bold thing. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, do you first, the first time it happens, do you have a private conversation? You know, when, when do you publicly (laughs) blow, (laughs) you know, do you, what, what kind of steps do you, do you go through so that you're sure you're producing the outcome that you want to produce? Right. Um, you know, and I knew in remember, I gosh, I, you're probably going to shoot me for bringing this up, but uh, we had a wonderful experience uh, many years ago with Sharon Watkins, who was the Enron whistleblower. And yes. I remember that one of the questions Sharon spoke to Inforum in her first public appearance after absolutely standing room only overflow rooms for that i think we had 1300 people there anyway one of the questions that she was asked was if you had it to do over again what would you do differently and one of part of her answer to that question i will never forget she said i wouldn't have done it alone and so i think with I see parallels with that, any kind of risky confrontation, you know, with, with next, you know, next gen women, um, you know, learning, I think they're learning to not do it alone. <laughs> Thanks know? for bringing that up. That that's fascinating. I had, uh, hadn't thought about that in a long time, but that's a really powerful um, lesson for all of us. You know, before I lose you and we need to wrap this up, uh, I want to talk a little bit about men because it's another thing that you and I have um, cared about and talked about many times over the years in terms of the importance of men as allies. And um, I'm wondering if you see changes in the next generation of male leaders that you see in the corporations who are um, beyond um, saying the right thing but actually walking all the talk. 
You know, I do. Um, I, I have great hope. Um, I think that there are some extraordinary male leaders, several of them are on our board, um, that are just absolutely incredible in independently, you know, I, I have seen them as well as heard stories of them interrupting those microaggressions that we talked about. You know, they, they're not having to be told to do that. They're not having to be asked by women to do that. They're just doing it. And that creates such a different dynamic um, in the workplace. And it creates such loyalty. Um, it's, it's really remarkable to behold. The, the only exceptions to that, I think, uh, that next generation progress are when bad behaviors are reinforced by toxic cultures at work. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. if you're in the kind of industry or the kind of profession that um, still has sort of that bro culture, um, I, th I think that it's harder for next generation male leaders to, to break away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I see great progress. I really do. I really do. Um, and it's no longer just men who have daughters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They all have mothers and there's more mothers trying to raise great sons. Right. 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 So I have, I have a lot of hope. I really do. Well, that's, that's fantastic um, to hear uh, because you are certainly still on the front lines of what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I want to mention the She Said movie, which is out there right now, which if anyone has not seen that yet, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, I know that you've seen it, Terry, about the, um, the two Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times journalists who finally broke the true story about Harvey Weinstein and triggered the whole Me Too movement. And one of the fascinating things, besides it being a really powerful story about what it takes from for uh, investigative reporters to break something like that and get to it, but it shows uh, their, the personal life of these women who are both parents, one of whom just had a baby, and how complicated it is to do very complex, tough, important work and also be parents but also how important husbands are because both of those women had fantastic husbands, true partners. And I'm, I'm sure you noticed that uh, in watching the movie. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm so glad you brought it up because um, at the end of the day, that's what it takes to do this. You know, we've got to, we've got to do our home relationships it's not just work, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's everything that surrounds us needs to uh, be designed in a way, you know, that, that offers support for this progress. And, um, oh, by the way, the other thing to notice about that movie is the importance of the press and the importance of uh, journalists doing that work. Um, you know, uh, I, I remember hearing many years ago, many years ago, hearing Jimmy Carter talk. Um, this was after he was president and 
He wrote a book that was aimed at children, actually, or young adults, maybe. It's called Talking Peace. And one of the things that he reflected on in that book was his travel all over the world. It was global um, and monitoring elections in different countries. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the the key points that he made in that book, that having an independent press is essential to democracy. It's just an essential component to democracy. And so when I saw the movie, it it was it was all of those things <laughs> that struck yeah. me as being important. Um, you know, uh, such such incredible work. Um, and we need to make sure that we're passionate about protecting that. And the importance of women being active global citizens in, in shaping yes. the human race. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Terry Barclay, president and CEO of Inforum for sharing your expertise from the front lines of the ongoing work to tap women's full leadership potential in the workplace. Do you have any Final thoughts? <laughs> Just that for those next gen women, um, I guess that I would say that there are many gains being made today by women and it will be their generation that closes those gaps in opportunity and representation. I think we're right on the cusp of that happening. So hang in there. <laughs> Hang in there. Absolutely. And those of us who have seats at the table must be active advocates for those who do not. Yes. Now let's all go power up. Thanks for joining us at Power Up Women. We hope you'll keep listening and share us with your network. We have over 100 episodes for you to explore. And if you can spare a few minutes, please rate us on Google app or your favorite podcast platform. It really does help. Spread the word to help other aspiring women and our male allies to find us. And I'm always looking for intriguing new topics and guests. You can reach me with your ideas at Ann at Ann Doyle Leadership. And remember, when one woman rises, we all rise. Don't forget to reach back and lift others as you climb. I'm Ann Doyle.